Hey everyone, how you doing? This is Amon Green, Green Bay Packers all-time leading rusher, and you're listening to The Average Cheese, hosted by Dell and Todd, two lifelong Packer fans talking about their favorite team, the 13-time champion, Green Bay Packers. Go Pack Go! So welcome to episode 25 of the Average Cheese Podcast. No longer Dale going solo, so you're welcome. We'll have a good show for once. Welcome, Peter. How are you today? I'm doing very good, Dale. How are you? I am great. It's great to talk to you again. It's great to be here, and um, I don't know, you've just raised the listeners' expectations, so... <laughs> Let's hope we can live up to it. Yeah, let's hope so, because I lower them so, so the bar goes so low when I go so low. In fact, those are just going to get shorter and shorter, because I don't know. <laughs> i got to edit the shit out of them. Oh, there I go. Already cussing. All right, got to get my quarters ready. I totally forgot about that. All right, so let's go. So week 14, Packers versus Lions. Packers 31, Lions 24. Kind of a snoozer. Not that I'm getting... Not, I'm not getting used to winning, but like it just seems like there's a couple of games on the schedule in the past and coming up that just feel like wins for sure. Yeah, it was one of those games, wasn't it, where even despite the little bit of excitement of the onside kick at the end of the game, and you just felt like this was a game that I think that even when the Lions scored on their first possession, the whole game you just felt like the Packers are going to win this game. It's yeah. just a matter of by how many points. And whilst I never felt that they were going to blow them away and win by 28 points or something, you always just felt it was going to be comfortable. And I don't think the scoreline really reflects how comfortable the game was. It was a, a solid all-round performance in you know most aspects of the game for the Packers. Yeah, it was very much one of those, let's move past this one on to the next one. And as much as I see these games and think, oh, this is a for sure win, there's always those things that come up on the schedule and bite you. I mean, last year it was the Eagles and the Chargers. And this year, honestly, for me, it was Tampa Bay. I had no thoughts that they would lose that game, even going into, you know, the weeks leading up to it. So there could be a game that trips you up. And they call them trap games, but really it's just an NFL season. I mean, teams are not going to just lay down for you. They don't do that. Yeah, absolutely. And that's why, you know, teams don't go 16-0. and 0. You know, very rarely do teams go 15-1 and 1 or even 14-2. and 2. Odd results every week if you look across the NFL and you just hope that you're not involved in them. Yeah, a 13-3 and 3 or a 12-4 and 4 is, a, is a good season because, like you say, there's a trap game in there. There's a bounce of the ball here and there that goes the other team's way. There's a, a kickoff return for a touchdown or a punt return punt for return. a touchdown. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that you didn't see coming. But, you know, it's those things happen. But generally speaking, as has happened with the Packers this year and, and last year, you come through the majority of, majority of games that you're meant to come through and it's onwards and upwards. You know, I follow, I'm in a bunch of Facebook groups and, uh, you know, we clearly both of you and I both follow a lot of people on Twitter who are Packer related people. And you see certain people that will say something like, oh, they just need to tank for draft picks or whatever. Not on the Packers, clearly, because the Packers are 10 and three. But, you know, when teams are bad, they're like, oh, we need to just tank the rest of the season. Okay, that's just stupid. (laughs) That's stupid. 
Um, I mean, yeah, it really is. A, I don't believe teams tank, full stop, right? I just don't think that crosses the mentality of coaches and, and players. I think bad teams are bad teams for a reason. You know, they find ways to lose. For fans to say that, heck, I, you know, if the Packers were 0-15, I'd want them to win that last game. Always want the Packers to win, you know? I think when it comes to the draft, I think you just have to take whatever pick you've got at the time it happens and deal with it then, you know? And these are professional players. Like, if I'm the quarterback of the Jets... I don't want to lose every game because I don't want the Jets drafting Trevor Lawrence and taking my job. (laughs) Absolutely. And for every one of those guys, you know, particularly the guys at the bottom half of the roster, if you like, their jobs are on the line every time they go out on the field. So, you know, they may be playing with what may turn out to be an 0-16 Jets team this year, but half of those guys are going to be looking for jobs. So they, they want their film to show them in a good light when they turn up as street free agents at Denver or Cincinnati or wherever it may be next year, you know? Right. It's always an addition for those guys, for sure. It really speaks to you as a player if you can go out there and give it your all when your team does suck. I mean, I think that's part of the equation too. So yeah, I mean, I didn't mean to go off on that tangent, but I just, I see that on Twitter or on Facebook. I'm like, are you serious right now? Like no player is doing that. No organization would admit to doing that. You know, they may do it by firing their coach, you know, and hoping that things go to crap. I just think it's mostly because bad teams are bad teams. Yes. They lose because they're bad, you know? Exactly. They either don't have reason. Talent, whatever. You know, and going, just relating that back to this Packers game with the Lions. So you see a Lions team with Daryl Bevel. What does this do for Daryl Bevel other than give him a couple games as an interim coach? I'm not a great fan of this whole interim coach. We've talked about this, yeah. yeah. We need a lot of us like it. I'm just not a great fan of this firing a coach with six games left in the season or, or whatever it may be. It gives the guy a little bit of experience, but I don't believe it's ever an audition one way or the other, no matter what people say. You know, and you'll hear the analysts come out and say, well, he's got a six-game audition. And, well, I think if you're choosing a, a new coach, you're looking beyond six games. Right. You're looking at, you know, you're looking at what's this guy, guy going to do for me, not just next season and the season after that. I'm looking at the next four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten years if I'm, if I'm lucky. And I'm not going to base the next four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten years on what a guy did or didn't do in six games, bunch of players that he's inherited. You turn that around... Let's say in those six games, the Lions were to have gone one and five or whatever. Does that suddenly make him a bad coach? It doesn't. Yeah. You know, he's inherited those players the way that they are. And I don't think it, I really don't think it benefits anybody, to be honest. I just don't. Yeah. And I wonder, so I saw somewhere again on social media, they were talking about who the Lions next head coach would be. And they went through like, this is the head coach. And I think it was Robert Sala. He's, you know, he's going to be the next up and comer. He's going to get his choice probably of jobs because he seems like that name that's out there. And they were talking about Dan Quinn being a defensive coordinator in Detroit. Okay. I mean, that's possible. I'm sure he's going to have to go down to come back up. I don't think anyone's going to hire him as a head coach. But they also then had Daryl Bevel as the offensive coordinator of the Lions next year. How does that happen? I don't see that at all. If I'm Daryl Bevel, there's no way if you made me the interim head coach and you basically gave me a promotion and now you're going to demote me back and put me under a guy that I've never worked for like that doesn't work either that can't happen Yeah, none of that makes sense to me. And I think it was a struggle, to be honest, for Matt LaFleur to keep on Mike Patton. And and albeit circumstances were were slightly different, but but even so, generally speaking, a new head coach is going to want to bring in his people that, that run the systems that he wants to run people that he knows that's comfortable that he's working with yeah and absolutely right from Daryl Bevel's point of view is 
oh, I was good enough to be your interim head coach for six weeks or whatever, whatever it was. And now, like you say, going to demote me again. And I don't know, it just doesn't seem to make sense for anybody to me. All right. So let's talk about the game a little bit. So some highlights, Aaron Rodgers being Aaron Rodgers, 26 for 33, 290 yards, three touchdowns, 133.6 passer rating. Just continues down that route to, the, to his third MVP for me. He probably should win it. We'll see how that pans out. But whether or not he does win it, he's had an MVP type year without any question now that we talked about this before but certainly from my perspective it's been a better year than I could ever have hoped for from him and he just continues to do it week in week out and I gets excellent protection from the offensive line who have done a, a great job protecting him this year his receivers obviously Adams but the other guys have, have come through and we'll, we'll you know we'll get to those but all you know all over the field he's had help for me he is the league MVP this year and you know I'm very glad to be proven wrong on on that particular one you know he's yeah it's going to beg interesting questions in a year or two or three years whatever it may be but we worry about those things in two or three years time they don't need to be sorted out now you know if he continues to play at this level long may it continue totally agree you know i'm not going to talk about love and all those kind of things i just want to talk about aaron Rodgers. and i was looking through the other day because i know he had he's had monster seasons he's had an amazing career i think was it 2010 or 2011 i think 11 right was the year he just went bananas on the league 44 45 touchdowns in 2011 i don't think he's gonna make that because i mean i don't Maybe it is going to happen, right? What does he have, 39? 39? Yeah, he's got 39. Well, 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 that is actually possible. I didn't think that he would be able to make that. I mean, that was his great year. Agree with you. Whether it's Mahomes or Rodgers, they're both almost identical in stats. I mean, I know Rodgers is beating Mahomes in a lot of the categories, but yards seem to be one of those, well, it's not a super important barometer or measuring stick. It does stick out to you, you know, and I'm sure it does to MVP voters. I don't care. I do care. I want him to win it. But also, if he keeps playing like this and doesn't win it and the Packers win a Super Bowl, you know, okay. We'd rather he won the Super Bowl MVP. That's the most most important one. Because that means they won the game. Exactly. (laughs) Going back to that 2011 year, he had that all-time passer rating of 121.0 something and it's not inconceivable that he'll break that this year it's 119 point something i think now yeah if he finishes the season with three strong games you know he could end up breaking that record and right now you wouldn't swap him for anybody no not even the homes absolutely and probably if you're a kansas city fan quite rightly you'd say the same thing in reverse yeah and that's fine too i'm surprised very pleasantly surprised he's been able to play back at that 2011 level again because yeah. I, I honestly That's thought a long that time ago would... yeah it is it <laughs> feels like a lifetime ago and i honestly thought that he would have there were still good years in him but i never thought we'd see him back to that level so i you know i just think it's fantastic and we see him in, seems to be enjoying it you know you see lots of smiles and stuff from him which you always get when you're winning anyway but he just seems to be enjoying it a lot more than we've seen him for for a number of years and his teammates are clearly there's clearly a warmth there you know, with Devontae Adams and, and those guys. And it's just a great thing to see. And long may it continue for at least another six games this year would be great. <laughs> <laughs> right. right. I, I do. I Yes. They do like each other. They yeah. genuinely seem, seem to like each other. And that's, that's cool. I really like Adams being Adams. That's what I wrote for the notes. Like Devontae Adams, another whole home great game from Devontae Adams too. Yeah. Week in, week out. 
it's six, seven, eight, nine, ten catches for 120, 30, 40, 50 yards. And, you know, you hate to say this, but you almost take it for granted. Yes. A bit like Rogers, but you certainly take it for granted that Adams is going to catch, say, seven or eight balls for 120, 130, and, oh, that's just another game. I think when you look at it like that's just another game, that goes to show the level of player that he's become. We knew he was great coming into this year, but to me, it's just he's just stepped it up to a level that, we didn't think was let. You know, we thought yeah. we'd reached the highest level and, and he's gone even further. And, and it's not just the same plays, is it? You know, that whatever it was, 50-odd yard or whatever it was, you don't often see that type of play with Adams where he breaks a tackle, particularly down the right-hand side of the field. You very rarely right. see him down there. Um, but breaks a tackle and runs for a touch. That's the kind of Jordy Nelson kind of stuff. Adams being Adams, what else can you say? And on the opposite end of the spectrum, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, I think had the best... Now, it wasn't statistically the best game he's ever had, but this to me, and I don't want to go too superlative on this, it was the best game he's ever played. It was just catching, and I know I put this on Twitter. If you follow us on Twitter, I was, you know, a little bit sarcastic, but he never catches the ball with his hands. So to see him reaching out with his hands and catching balls, especially the one he had for the touchdown, I mean, that is not a play, honestly, I would ever thought MVS would make. It's not what he does. It's not in his, at least previous to this game, in his skill set. Six catches for 85 yards and a touchdown. I don't care. It feels like 10 catches for 150 yards and two touchdowns come from him. I beat up on him. You beat up on him. Todd's beat up on him. Rightfully so, because he has sucked in a lot of games, and he has not caught the ball like he did in this one. He was awesome in this game. He was, and I, and I agree. Given everything that's gone on, probably the best game of his career. And, and you quite rightly highlight that touchdown. If that was Adams catching that touchdown pass, you'd say, that's just Adams. You know, that's who you would expect. And if you, you know, list the receivers on the roster now, including the tight ends, and say who's most likely to, to have caught that touchdown pass if you didn't know who it was, MVS wouldn't have been particularly high on that list. No, probably the bottom um, <laughs> of the list. Yeah, you know, you could even see like a, a Tyler Irvin or that type of player catching that type of pass. I think you're right. I think that let's hope that that's his breakout game. And you hit the nail on the head. It doesn't have to statistically be. It doesn't have to be 11 catches for 200 yards. Not when you've got Adams and you've got Tonyan and, and the other guys. It doesn't have to be that. But if, you know, he's consistently catches five, six, seven balls a game for 80, 90, 100 yards and, and touchdowns like the one he did, that's what you're looking for. And I think it says a lot about the character of the guy. You know, it's a couple of games ago, two or three games ago now when he had that fumble, everybody was on his back. And then the next game, you know, they didn't even throw his way. So I think to bounce back from that says a lot. And it's just very, very encouraging. Yeah. And I I think he got shut out in two games. It does speak to his character. And man, if he could keep doing that, the weapons that we're starting to develop, if our third receiver can catch balls like that, Oh, look out. I mean, I know we're averaging 31 a game in the most in the NFL, but we could do more when we yeah, got four guys are going to catch the football. Yeah, and you always want those extra strings to your bow. You know, other teams are watching our offense. They're going to take try and take this away, try and take that away, double cover Adams, try and take away the running game. So, so, you, so generally as the season goes on, whilst you have an identity, you still got to find those other ways to move the ball and put points on the board. And even just the threat of having them is sometimes enough. Yep. Yeah, excellent. (laughs) And this guy I beat up on more than any. So Lancaster Lowry, they almost become one person now (laughs) for me. 
But I I'm, thought that was one person. I thought that was his name. <laughs> his name was Lancaster Lover. <laughs> right. If you didn't know the Packers, you would probably think that. And if, <laughs> that it's just one guy. But no, Dean Lowry had, I don't know. I don't know statistically if it was the best game of his career. But he had like the best two plays of his career back to back. <laughs> that was great. Four tackles and a sack for Dean Lowry. Yeah, so you, you know, you can't knock it. Again, I think that we're not going to get carried away. But, you know, that's the kind of contribution. You know, he's not going to get a sack every week. But that's the kind of contribution that you have to have from those guys. You know, not everybody's a star. For those players that aren't stars, the solid, every down, 100% players, those guys have to turn in the odd big play here and there. And that's absolutely what we haven't had from Mr. Lancaster Lowry for for two or three years. And I don't expect him to have a sack every week. He's not going to end up a season with 16 sacks or anything like that. But they have to occasionally come up with those kind of games. But compliment your real big play guys, you know, your Smiths, your Savages, your Jairs, those kind of guys on defense. Speaking of Savage... I think that he has, I, I know I speak all the time like this guy is great and then he sucks the next week. But Darnell Savage, I think, has turned the corner. And it's the corner I thought he would have turned from jump. 2020, we're going to start like that. I think he started slow, but eight tackles, one for a loss and a sack. Absolutely. And, and I'm with you. I think defensively, we've struggled in the, certainly in the first half of the year and, and continue to struggle somewhat. And I think in that first half of the season, you know, I was one of those that was disappointed in Sa- and Savage and, a- and Amos. And not because they weren't playing solidly, but because they weren't making the splash plays, making the interceptions, the, the sacks, the big plays that you have to have. And you have to have them even more on a defense that struggles to stop the run. The way that kind of bend but don't break defense wins for you is you bend and eventually you get the turnover. Eventually you get that big play. And so whilst I was disappointed in the first half of the year because that big play wasn't coming from those guys, certainly in the last few weeks, Savage appears to have, like you say, somebody's turned the light on or something. Absolutely. And you know, he looks like the player that they thought they were getting when they drafted him in the in the first round. And for a second year guy, you know, you've got him for another three years at least. Hope from here it can only get I guess the one the one caution that's always in the back of Packers fans' minds will be ha ha Clinton Dix, because he kind of had a breakout year in his second or third year. I don't see them as similar type players anyway. For me, it's all good with Savage and, as I say, I think Amos Amos as well has been... When you go back and look at the coaches' film and, and look at the stuff and rerun the games, Amos actually is better than he probably appears live. So I think that's turned into a really solid partnership and it's only going to get better as a, as a partnership. And I think I mentioned this when I was going solo the other day. I don't know where I read it. Some beat writer or somebody said that the defensive linemen uh, and Smith and Gary and both Smith and Gary went and talked to Petten and said, we need to be a little more simple. I know that, you know, as a coach, you want to get cute, like, right. You want to show what you can do and you want to show how smart you are. Sometimes you just got to let players play. And maybe this whole savage uptick is, Let's let players play. Let's not ask them to think as much and let them play the game of football. Yeah. I'm not sure that that's what it is, but it's, it could be possible. Uh, yeah, it might well be. And I also think that just a little bit more pressure up front relieves a lot of pressure at the, at the back end. You know, and whilst it might not seem very much and it might not seem very much statistically, you know, they might not be getting any more sacks, but more pressures 
a few more pressures a game makes a huge difference to the, the back end. And I think you're right. I think that clearly something has happened defensively in the last few weeks. I think it's all over the defence, to be honest. I think that there's one or two question marks still. The ability to stop the run is, is still an issue. Certainly Savage and Amos and Alexander at the back end have been excellent. Finally, a special teams thing, because again, I'm beat up on special teams. Mason Crosby with a almost 58-yard yep. field goal. It's too bad they didn't give him that yard because I think that would have tied his career long. It would. Yeah, it would have tied his career long. Packers all-time record, it would have tied. It's funny, even when they lost the five yards on the full start penalty on that field goal, there was just something, you think, he's going to kick it. Yeah. It's just, it's just, it never seemed in any doubt. Yeah, it's funny and, you say and, that. I was going to say the exact same thing. And it's an odd thing to say. And we've been, I guess as Packers fans, we've been blessed in recent years, you know, with Crosby and Ryan Longwell was a solid kicker and Chris Jackie before that. But it always felt, even with Chris Jackie and Ryan Longwell, that, you know, they could make big kicks. You know, there were games certainly that Jackie won 50-odd yarders to win games and, and what have you. But I never felt with those guys like I felt when Crosby was lining up to kick. I just knew he was going to kick it. Yeah. There just didn't seem any question that that he was going to make that kick. And he's now 15 for 15 on the year on field goals. You know, no Packers, I'm going to put the kibosh on it now. No Packers kick has ever finished with a 100% record on field goals. This could be the year, which just makes the three extra points he's missed this season even stranger. But yes. we, don't, we don't need to go there. What you said is like, you know this man is going to make kicks. And when he misses... You're surprised, like yeah. very surprised. And not just this year. And I was a big hate that year that Crosby went so far south and missed so many kicks. I didn't think, I don't know if it's unprecedented because I haven't followed the NFL for my entire life, but 40 years of kicking, I can't remember a guy being that bad and then coming back and being this good as a kicker. That's a huge mental thing. And kicking mm-hmm. is all technique. And all mental. Granted, you got to kick the ball 60 yards in the air, but the amount of mental strain on a kicker is very high, and I didn't think he'd be able to do it. So I, I will always admit that I was wrong about Mason Crosby. That man can kick until he's 50, as far as I'm concerned. I guess the rest of the special teams leaves a lot to be desired. I'm, I'm not so bothered about the return, the Packers return game, because I, I tend to think in this day and age, certainly kick returns kind of are what they are. Very rare. It was kind of odd to see Jamal Williams back there returning kicks. But punt returns, you know, I think that, again, generally speaking, unless the punter out kicks his coverage, the returner, whether it's Austin Irving or whoever, they're going to make a few yards and that's it. That's pretty much what punt returns are. So I'm not, I'm not really that bothered about our return going. But our coverage teams on punts and kicks are very much of concern. J.K. Scott has outkicked his coverage a couple of times this year. Scott's getting a lot of heat on Twitter and stuff. Some of it fairly, perhaps some of it I think is unfair. But I think the fact that you then we then saw a kickoff, a huge kickoff return against us on Sunday just goes to show that there are problems on the coverage team. They need to be sorted out because those kind of plays, those, those can turn playoff games. You know, we saw it ourselves with, with Desmond Howard in our favour. only takes one of those to turn a playoff game. And, and whilst you hope that a playoff game doesn't get down to one score, they often do. That's why teams are in the playoffs. They're the best of the best. Thing needs Something needs to be sorted out there. And, you know, you're getting to the food. I, I don't understand why we're not kicking off deep enough so that they're not returned. And a similar thing with punting. If there is a problem with J.K. Scott, whether he's got a back problem or whatever it may be, kick the damn thing out of bounds. If there's a real problem there, because, you know, you get into this 
point in the season where if there's fundamental issues, you're not going to fix them now. Mm -hmm. If you haven't fixed them in 14 weeks, you're probably not going to fix them in that. So do something slightly different. Kick it out of bounds, do whatever. Don't give up all those hidden yards, special teams. You just can't do that. Kick it out of the end zone. And if you don't, if Mason Crosby physically can't do it, which it seems if you can kick a 60-yard field goal, you'd think (laughs) he'd be able to kick it over the... Yeah, it's only five more yards, right? It's a 65-yard yeah. kick to the end line, right? It starts at the 35. Yeah. yeah. So I don't get that. And same thing with the punting. Just punt it out of bounds. Yeah. Right. Especially in big situations. I mean, let's just get, just let it fly and let it fly out of bounds. Wherever it ends up, at least you're not getting a punt return for a touchdown. Yeah. Yeah, and what's interesting on those kickoff returns, every time we return a kick, you know, our guy's getting hit at the 15 or the 20-yard line yeah. and doesn't make it back to the 25. And their guys don't seem to get touched till they get to the 25. So, so even yeah. if it's not a huge return, they're starting at the 30 or the 35. Just something fundamentally wrong there. And typically, you know, your special teams coverage guys, they're the kind of between 40 and 53 on the roster. They're typically those guys. But, you know, the Packers roster is pretty deep when you look at lots of positions of guys that would be on special teams. So you think that they would just be better than they are. And I don't know whether that's players or coaching. I was just going to say that. You look at the guys that they have. So they are they have athletes. Like Oren Burks is a great athlete. He's yeah. never been a good linebacker, but he's a great athlete. Ty Summers, same thing. Great athlete. These guys should be great on special teams. Plus, you've got Henry Black and Vernon Scott. You've got all these safety-type bodies. These you got Randy Ramsey. you got so many young guys with athletic bodies they should be able to make those plays, and they're simply not. I don't know what it is. It has to turn to coaching at some point if you've got athletes. Yeah. I, that's, that's how I see it, at least. All right, moving on. No big injuries in this game that I can think of, and no big signings, so nobody, no huge guy brought up to the squad. <laughs> Although I was hoping that that huge – what the heck was that guy's name? Um. Anthony Rush, is it? Yes, Rush yeah. off of the practice yeah. squad of the Bears. What? Let's see what that fat guy can do. I, I guess not. guess he's not well, coming. No, Lancaster, you know. Lowry, and all those guys are making plays. I guess you don't, you don't have to bring him up. Well, you know, that, that Lancaster, Lowry guy, he plays two positions at the same time. Yeah. Mediocre at it, but he does it. Yeah. That's going to be a thing, isn't it, now? <laughs> Um, we well, and, 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 his, and his cousin Larry Lancaster, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, they're like twins. <laughs> they went to the same school and everything. We did talk a lot about offense. Uh, they were really not very good against the Eagles on third down, but they were eight for eleven against the Lions last week, which is pretty nice. You got to do that. That's how you win games, right? By it, sustaining drive. It, it is. Make third downs and stop third downs on defense. That's how you that's how you win games. I remember I thinking this when the Packers won the Super Bowl. Like it seemed like that year they would hit on third down. You could almost put it you you know, book it. The Packers are gonna make this third down conversion. And it seems like we're in that spot too again. I hope we are. I think so. And I think offensively, you just feel like they're gonna pick it up. Yeah, and of course there'll be occasions when they don't and get and the same on fourth down when they go for it. But you just feel far, I do at least, feel far more confident than I have for a number of years that they're going to make it. You know, whether that's a pass, whether that's Aaron Jones or Jamal Williams up the middle, you just feel like they're going to make it. I don't know why I put this, but the running back room, if you combine Williams and Jones, had a pretty solid game. And again, it's the Lions, but you need to have balance, and they have. 
But you can't just have balance like, okay, we ran, but we only got 52 yards out of it because that's not balance, right? You got to be able to move the football running. And they had 25 carries for 94 yards as a room. Yeah, and I think that, I think if you can go at four yards a pop, yeah, you'd like to go at five or six or seven. But if you can go at four yards a pop on 25, 30 carries, I think that's job done. And you always know that Aaron Jones could be held to, let's say, 50 yards on 15 carries. But that 16th carry might go for 70. And, you know, the longer games go on, the chances of him popping that long one get greater and greater and greater. You just get the feeling that eventually, even if teams stop him and stop him and stop him, And only really Tampa Bay have. You just feel like any moment, any play could be the one that he goes for for 70. Almost like it felt with Amon Green back in the the early 2000s, where he fumbled a bit and would get stopped a bit. But he had that speed. Amon Green could break off a 90-yarder any moment. And as soon as he was in the open field, he was gone. And you feel that way with with Aaron Jones. As we've said all season long, Jones and Williams complement each other. Williams is a great guy to have coming in, your number two running back. You know, no, he doesn't have the breakaway speed that Jones has and doesn't necessarily have the moves that Jones has. But he does a, a really good job and can do it all. You know, he'll run. You can catch out the backfield, pass protect, gives you everything you want in that running back. So it's just a really solid running back room. Other than the fact, you know, we've seen the Dodo more often than we've seen AJ Dillon this year. Um, <laughs> you know, Ed, lots of unfortunate circumstances, but it's good to have AJ back on the roster and let's let's see if he gets a few carries over the remainder of the season. Don't th- expect him to get many now. You know, we're in that playoff stretch. The playoffs start now, if you like, that number one seed and then into the real playoffs. So barring any injuries, which, of course, we won't get, he says, touch wood. Um, <laughs> you know, we're not going to see that much of A.J. Dillon, but the odd carry here or there would be, would be good. And related to that, the majority of the long runs in Aaron Jones' career have come between the tackles. They start between the tackles. You don't, he's not usually that pitch to the outside. In fact, they don't run that outside play very often at all because neither one of the guys in the running back room are, are those guys. They're put your foot in the ground, make one cut and go. Is that suffering because their center is missing? Corey Lindsley is missing. I think that's a, an interesting question because you know, Jenkins has been, has been fantastic. You know, you take out a guy that's been playing at all pro level all year in, in Corey Lindsley. And there has to be some drop off. You know, you're not carrying seven all pro level offensive linemen on your roster. That's just not happening. So they have, you know, there has to be some drop off. And, and part of it will just be the level of player, but also the part of it will be a lot of offensive line play, particularly in the running game is about timing. Don't get that overnight. You know, it comes from playing together and playing together and playing together. And it will only get better. Hopeful that Lindsley will be back before the end of the regular season or about right at the end of the regular season. And, and that'll be a boost. So, yeah, I think there's probably a little bit of something in that. Well, and going along with those lines, too, you put Jenkins at center. You no longer have Jenkins at guard. Yeah. So then you have Lindsley at center and Jenkins at guard. And you have two all-pro guys. And you have Bakhtiari, Bakhtiari yeah. out on the left side at the tackles. You have a left side that is, I don't know, second to none. From middle yeah, to the left side, there's nobody better. Absolutely. And you, and you look at Lucas Patrick's had a solid year, but we also have to remember this is his first year play. You know, he's been around the roster for two or three years, but hardly play. You know, and, and we kind of ignore the fact that he's had an excellent season for a guy that's not played. Yeah, he's you know, been we're, great. We're, yeah, and you, we're almost taking that for granted because the Jenkins and the Lindsley and the Baxiari get all the plaudits, you know, and understandably so. But, you know, we can't, 
underestimate the contribution of, of Patrick in his, like I say, his first year as a starter. Billy Turner has been excellent as well and certainly exceeded my expectations this year. And even Rick Wagner, when he's come in and played, and I know that we paid him a lot of money. I thought it was money not particularly well spent. Certainly proved me wrong. Yeah, it's been good all round. Let's talk a little bit about the defense. So game after game, the entire year, the, the whole thing has been we need to stop the run. We need to stop the run. And I didn't say it as one of my pregame things last time. I promised I wouldn't say it, so I didn't say it. But they did. So maybe I'll never say that again as one of the keys. Now, granted, it was the Lions. But the Lions have players. I think DeAndre Swift is going to be a player. I don't know why he has not achieved what he, I think he has the ability to achieve. And you still have Adrian Peterson, and granted, he's 652 years old, but he's still Adrian Peterson. They've got guys. on Johnson was a starter not that long ago for the Lions. So they've got three guys in their backfield that can play the game of football. And the Packers stuffed the run. DeAndre Swift, I'm looking at, seven carries for 24 yards. And he's their main guy. Yeah, and I think that, you know, picking up your point about DeAndre Swift, I mean, I, th- I, I think he would be as close to a star as the Lions have if he was carrying the ball 15 to 20 times a game. A touch of what we were talking about with, with Aaron Jones, you know. DeAndre Swift, again, is, is that type of player that you can, you can stop, 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 but he's liable to break one on you. I think you know, Peterson's still a good back. It's not that. It's, I guess my, my issue is if I were... I think at some point, when you have a DeAndre Swift, when you have an Aaron Jones, when you have a, a Nick Chubb, when you have one of those guys, you have to give them the carries. You can't keep giving them seven carries or 10 carries a game and, you know, at the end of the season saying, well, yeah, he had 160 carries. Yeah, but actually I want my guy, because some of those guys, a lot of those backs just get more productive as the carries go on in the game, as the defense wears down. You know, they only need a little bit of daylight to break one. And, and yeah, I, th- I think uh, you're absolutely right. I think Swift's an excellent back. To me, they should be making him the feature back and time to move on from some of those other guys. But yeah, from a Packers point of view, absolutely stymied the, the running game. I'd like to see that happen for two or three more more games before I'm convinced that it's nothing more than a one-off because there's been nothing I think we've seen you know in the previous 12 games to convince us that there are any way towards stopping the great news I think for the Packers is that a couple of defensive stops early in the game and and yeah and I accept the Lions drove for a touchdown on their first drive but after that Packers got some defensive stops and I think if if you can get those early in the game with the way that Rodgers and Adams and the receiving core and Jones are playing get those stops you jump out to a 14 point lead a 17 point lead that's the way that you stop the opposition's running game by force them into passing and that's how we've stopped teams previously this year and again is it a one-off is it just because it's the Lions we need to see that and I'm with you on that you know let's do that against Carolina let's do that against Tennessee you do that against Tennessee then you got something yeah, absolutely. And we've seen Kenny Clark has been a bit more active in the last couple of weeks. Perhaps there's something in that. You know, he missed those weeks early early in the season. It's taken him a few weeks to get back to the level that we know he can play at. Perhaps he's now hitting that Pro Bowl type level that we know that he's capable of. And and if that's the case, to have those guys hitting it at this stage of the season, at the right time of the season. Better to be good now. You know, now's the time to be. Rather than the beginning of the season? Yeah, let's be good now. I'm with you. We've talked a lot about this stuff, talked about Jair. We didn't talk about Jair Alexander. He's the best corner in all of football. 
That's just my opinion. It would be difficult to name a better corner. He's going to get beat from time to time. Every corner does, particularly in this era, you know, right. with, with the rules so slanted towards the passing game. But you wouldn't swap him for anybody. No. And that's, I mean, we'll talk about this probably at some point. We got to pay that man too. That man's about to get paid and he, he deserves it. We talked about the safety play before. Now that Raven Green is no longer around and I guess he may be done for the season, Adrian Amos is going to take that spot. I did watch on the coach's film that he is that second linebacker. I don't know if they call it heavy dime or heavy nickel, but he is playing next to Kirksey. Or, usually it's Kirksey. Usually it's not Kamal Martin. Both safeties were very good. And I'm with you on what you said about Amos. Amos is a solid guy. Amos is not going to make that freak play. He's not going to wow you with speed or, or strip a ball or pick a ball off with a great play. But he's going to be in the right place at the right time. He plays the game the way it's supposed to be played. And he does things that you don't see in the box score. Yeah, and that's what you were talking about before. To a degree, he reminds me of a better version of Morgan Burnett. Packers had, you know, alongside Clinton Dix for much of his time there. And, you know, Burnett was that solid player, played most of the time in the box. And I, and I just see Amos as a slightly better, more athletic version of Morgan Burnett. And I'm, I'm fine with that. Yeah, Christian Kirksey, I, we've talked about it ad nauseum. And I know that, well, we can talk about it again. He was almost invisible in this game. He played a lot of snaps. For the, I think he had four tackles in this game or something, but it wasn't because he only played 10 snaps. He's coming, getting to be one of those guys where the only time you see him or the only time you hear his name is when there's a holding penalty on him. Yeah, or he made a mistake. Exactly. Yeah. I think it goes back to what we've talked about. I'm sure that the coaching staff think he's doing a, an okay job, but it comes down to value. And that's something that they'll assess in the, in the off-season. It's one thing getting an a guy doing an okay job that's earning 800000 a year in this day and age, that's not, it's not okay when he's earning five, six, seven million a year. That, you, that just can't work. And I think also, you know, when you look at the Kamal Martins, um, the Chris Barnes of this world, is there any drop-off from Kirksey to those guys? And, and certainly from my untrained eye, there doesn't, there doesn't appear to be. And so going forward into, into next year, you've got to feel like, Martin and Barnes are the guys and you know and maybe there's another draft pick in there whether that's a high pick or not I don't know but but, you know another draft pick into that mix and that's that's not a bad group. King and Sullivan did not have great games you know minus Kenny Galladay too it's not like you're playing against all pro wide receivers you're playing against guys like Quintez Cephas and Marvin Jones who's okay and Mohamed Sanu who's like 8,000 years old like these guys aren't world beaters and it wasn't a great game for either one of those guys. And King's an enigma, isn't he? Uh, and I know he gets a lot of heat, mainly because he's in, you know, injured half the time. But he can play at an all-pro level one week. And then he didn't give up any really huge plays. I mean, he nearly gave up that one to Jones that was quite possibly a catch. Quite I possibly thought it was a, a fantastic catch. catch. It'd be difficult to blame him for that particular play. But there was a couple of plays where, you know, his receiver got open behind him and Stafford couldn't quite make the throw, that those yeah. two could easily have become 60 or 70-yard touchdowns. Right. Those um, are game-changing plays. And they are. A, a play that Matthew Stafford makes the majority of the time. That seems to be the problem with King. As I say, he'll be good one week and then below average the next week. And then when you couple that with the injuries, you just can't have that kind of kind of play. And Chandon Sullivan, it, I think the only thing to say about Chandon Sullivan really is that 
It's just his second year. He plays a lot, but doesn't play on every down. And I, th- I think that we bear with him because I think he's, he's going to be a better than average corner over the length of his career. And so I think it's he's one of those guys, yes, he's having a down period, but I think he's one of those guys that we're just going to have to bear with. And, and, and understand that if he's your, he's your number three corner, I don't see him as, as a number two corner right now. But I think if he's your number three, again, you know, we're getting ahead of ourselves here, but you're looking into the draft next year and, and I think looking for a corner quite high to come in and challenge for that number two spot. And I think if Sullivan's your number three, I think in this day and age, that's that's a good group as well. And I'm prepared to give a young guy like Sullivan quite a bit of leeway. Interesting that you say that because I was thinking, I saw Josh Jackson out there and I was thinking, is was that on special teams? And now that I look at it, Josh Jackson did not play a defensive snap in this game. He only played on special teams. I wonder what that is. Is that, you know, he's still coming off that concussion issue? or But then special teams doesn't seem like the best place to be. <laughs> you're running 40 yards on a field full of speed. It's interesting you've uh, been playing this game. You just get the feeling, don't you, that either either Jerry Gray or, or Mike Petten have, I hate to put it this way, but it feels like from the outside looking in that, that they've given up on him. Might be wrong, but I think when, when that guy who's playing, you know, he was playing a lot of snaps earlier in the season, albeit you know, predominantly when King was out, but still playing a lot of, all of a sudden is playing no snaps at all. That just gives you the feeling that they've given up on him. Some miscellaneous stuff. We talked about the long kick returns, how that's a problem. I mean, if you're going to be a Packer fan your entire life, this is one you got to get used to, I think. And that's that we just don't put bad teams away. It's just not, we don't do that here, you know? (laughs) And this is another one of those games. And like we talked about, and like you said, this game was really out of reach and never felt like it was close. But, of course, it's got to come down to a doggone onside kick, <laughs> which they played poorly, by the way. Yeah, they they really kind of got lucky on that play. If it's, if it's right there, you can still grab it before 10 yards if you're on the you know, return side. Yeah. I don't know what Lazard was doing on that I, play. I, he was fucking lost. He had I, no clue what to do with the ball at all on that play. Yeah, I, I, I don't, again, you know, you have to – beg the question about coaching. I mean, who's coaching these guys, you know? And, and sometimes it is players, you know? Sometimes however much you coach them, when it comes to the moment, they just make a bonehead play or a bad play. But when it keeps happening, whether it's on, you know, a kickoff return or a punt return or an onside kick, when it keeps happening you th- with different players, you think eventually you've got to think it's not play. Um, I do. I said it before. I'll say it again. I think when you have punt return issues, kickoff return issues, kick coverage issues, kick punt coverage <laughs> issues, onside kick issues, they all seem to go back to the same guy. I'm sorry. Yeah. Even, if it's, even if it's the same players, you yeah. got to be good at at least one of those things. Yeah. Not. For a 10-3 and three team, it seems to be pretty – it's a big red flag for them. It really is. And, th- and this whole thing you, – you feel like this whole thing about not being able to put teams away – eventually comes back to bite you you know and that's the that's the Seattle NFC championship game from whichever year it was when the Packers had opportunity after opportunity after opportunity the Packers had five turnovers in that game for you know five takeaways from from Seattle and didn't turn field position into touchdowns they kept kicking field goals and 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 whilst the lead was solid for most of that game they never put them away it's just in the back of your mind 
or approaching the front of my mind actually that there's going to be a really vital game this year where that happens and all of a sudden a 14 point lead in the in the fourth quarter disappears just because we haven't put them away and we haven't touched on this but one of the things that the other concern which kind of goes along with that is that there, there appear to be periods in lots of Packer games this year when the offense as potent as it is just seems to disappear for a quarter or a quarter and a half or the best part of a quarter where you know, they have three or four drives where they don't move the ball at all. And I don't know what that's all about. I mean, it is a Packer trait these days. No lead will last very long. 45-14 is going to end up at 45-34. You, yeah. you know that's going to happen. I guess it's okay when that lead is 25 points and it gets cut to 10. That's okay. But it's when that leads 14 points, it's just not safe. We keep our fingers crossed that that doesn't come back to bite them. All right, so let's wrap this game up. Who is your MVP? Well, for, for me, I think the whole of the receiving core. I think it was difficult to... Adams, as, as you said quite rightly earlier, Adams was Adams. MVS, as we said earlier, probably the best game of his career. Robert Tonyan, Tonyan. I'm not from Wisconsin, so I have no <laughs> idea. I've no idea how to pronounce it. Um, <laughs> Bobby T was excellent again. You know, nine touchdown receptions now this year. And the whole of that, the whole of that receiving core for me was excellent. So I give... A, an MVP to the whole whole receiving team, including the tight ends. Before I say mine, what's your thought process on is are they gonna feed Tanyan in this next couple of games to have him break both Finley's and Kaufman's records? I think he'll break the touchdown record. You know, he's too short of Kaufman's record of eleven touchdowns in a season. I think he'll break that. Whether he'll break the receiving record, the sixty-one of Jermichael Finley for Packers tight end, I think he's going to come close. I don't think that they'll do it deliberately unless it gets to midway through the last game and they realise he's tied for the record or something. I just think when, when you average his play out this year, he's going to catch four or five balls a game, so he's going to be he's going to be really close. And it'll be a great thing to see because it's it's about time that, you know, and I love Paul Kaufman, so it, but it's about time his records weren't on the books anymore 40 years, 35 years after he left the Packers in, in right. the passing era. You know? It really says something about the Packers' tight end play over it, the last 30-something years. It really does. And it's the one position when you look back historically since Paul Kaufman, they've, they've not had a dominant, a dominant tight end other than really one year from maybe one and a half years from Jermichael Finley before he got hurt, really across that whole period. Probably no other team has not had. At least you know, one. Probably, yeah, at least one. So Tanya needs to average five catches a game for the next three games to tie the record. Close. It's going to be close. It is going to be close because, right, that's essentially what his average is. It's very close to that. I mean, he had some games where he had nothing, but lately, yeah, it would be interesting. I feel like that you're right. If they get close, if he's close in that last game, I bet they will feed him. I think they will. That's my personal opinion, that they will feed him and try to I get him to so. break. All of those records are there to be broken, aren't they? And I love, and I, I love to see them broken, not only because it's about time, but also, in a way, it highlights – the guy's record that gets broken. We're talking about Paul Kaufman that we otherwise wouldn't be talking about. So, you know, it's a, it's a good it's a good thing. My MVP is MVS. I almost said that backwards. I almost said my MVS is MVP. <laughs> MVS is your yeah. yeah. MVS is my MVP. <laughs> the MVP is MVS. Look at that. Said this right twice. <laughs> I think that's going to be the name of this one because it may never happen again because I am overly critical of this man. But I have. It was the best game he's ever played. We've already talked about it. I'm not going to beat it up anymore, but man, he was really good. It was so great to see. And I don't know why 
I feel like personally invested in some dudes. For him, we've talked about it, the mental state of MVS after that fumble. I really felt bad for him. And I said it on an episode. I remember which one it was. He took his helmet off and you could see the look in his face. And it became not just MVS, the football player that just made a huge mistake, but you see the pain on the man's face. And then it all of a sudden becomes like, this is a person underneath that helmet. And I think that's kind of why. Absolutely. And I, and I think that generally speaking, as, pa- as Packers fans, you know, I, I would rather, if Dean Lowry had a 16 sack season next year, I'd be the first to say, that's absolutely what I wanted. I've been wrong for three years. That is absolutely fantastic. Rather than some fans of other teams that take a view and then just wish them to continue to be the way that they think they are in, in their heads. I, right. I just think that, um, like you say, with I think for all of us, it was a great thing to see with, with MBS. You root for guys that have been through a tough time, root for guys that where the ball hasn't necessarily bounced their way, because you realise that there's a reason they're on the roster. There's a reason that they're stuck around for two or three years. There's a reason why the coaches keep going to them, because they're good football players. Whether they make mistakes, whether they make a mental error or whatever else, they're still good football players, and you and you root for those guys. You want them to come through it. I mean, you cut Jamon Moore because he wasn't as good as MVS and EQ St. Brown. So yeah. you wonder, I'm just a fan. I don't know what they see at training camp or in practice, or whatever, in the room, how smart they might be, or whatever reason that they stick around. There's a reason that MVS is stuck around, and, you know, we'll see. I mean, he keeps playing like this. He's going to be on the roster next year. They're going to have to put some money in his pocket, too, and I'm here for it. I mean, (laughs) I don't care who it is. If it's you, MVS, great. Let's go. All right, so let's talk about next week. Next week, Saturday, which we talked about before we started recording, is going to really throw me off. The Saturday night game is going to throw my whole week off. So they play Carolina, 7.15, I think it is our time. So one, sorry, Peter, 1.15 a.m. I shall start to wilt at some point during the night, but I hope that the Packers are so far ahead that by the time I start to wilt, otherwise, otherwise I'll be, well, I don't know, I don't know what I'll be. I'll be a basket case at three o'clock in the morning if it's not going well. I hope that this is the first game that they actually put away. Maybe it'll be 28 or 42 <laughs> nothing at halftime and yeah, you can the, just go to bed. Yeah, the trouble is, though, I still wouldn't dare go to bed, you know, because... Because <laughs> of all the things we just talked about? Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> what are one of the keys in your mind in this Carolina game? Well, I think, you know, the Carolina pass... Oh, I think the Carolina defense, in, you know, as a whole isn't that strong, but certainly the, the pass defense isn't strong. They've only got five interceptions all season. And other than Brian Burns, who... Possibly could have been a could have been a Packer if the Packers had taken him in front of Rashan Gary. It's a guy that we haven't mentioned who's is playing very well now. So Brian Burns leads the Panthers in sacks with with six, but that defense is poor. For me, this is one of those games where you know you often talk about teams setting up the you know running the ball to set up the pass. For me, this is a, this is one of those games in reverse where you take advantage of that Carolina poor pass defense, you get on top of them early, passing the football, and then you ram it down their throats for a half. So for me, that the key is get the, get the passing game going, get ahead, run the football, job's done, go home. You know, that's the... 
<laughs> that's, that, that's, that's what it's all about for me. We've got some good players. You know, Teddy Bridgewater's a good quarterback. You know, you know he's, he's, a, he's a very accurate quarterback. He can move. He's got some, some weapons that we'll, we'll probably get to. But for me, this is a game that I just think you get all over their defense and, and put this game away early. You know, behind Christian McCaffrey, who has not played what, more than maybe three games the entire season, Mike Davis is pretty good. Like, yeah. he's not a bad back. He's not going to win you games on his own, but he's a solid player. You know, if I'm comparing him to a Packer, he's Jamal Williams-like in his production. You yep. wouldn't want him starting for you long-term. Yep. He's been really good. Yeah. Teddy Bridgewater, I don't understand. And what I don't understand is how does he keep going from team to team to team? If you look at his numbers, look at when he was in New Orleans, and when he was in Minnesota, he was good. And they loved him in Minnesota. Like, they're talking – if you follow anybody on Minnesota Vikings Twitter, all they do is, like, talk like how great – how they were, wanted him to play well against them. So if you are doing all these things well, why is he not sticking with a team? I don't know. I mean, the, the one thing that they, they struggle with red zone offense, they struggle to put the ball in the end zone. Um, they don't have the greatest kicker in the league either. He's decent. Joey Sly, but he's not great. They don't put the points on the board that their offensive output really says that they should put put on the board. Particularly, like you say, the passing game stronger than the stronger than the running game. I don't know. I mean, Bridgewater's very accurate, particularly in the short passing game, and they've got some good receivers, as we know. Robbie Anderson, Packer fans' favourite, is good receiver. Is on the cusp of a thousand yards. Um, DJ Moore's on the cusp of a thousand yards. Only time you've got. Two 1,000-yard receivers, which they will have. Curtis Samuel's a decent receiver out of the slot. So, you know, and Mike Davis that you mentioned, 50-odd catches, 57 receptions, I think, this year. So they've got weapons. Uh, they're just not – they don't put the points on the board that they, sh- that they should put on the board. They don't have that guy, though. Yeah. They've got a lot of really good players. And when McCaffrey's not in the game, they don't have that guy. Yeah. Like the Packers can go to Devontae Adams. It's fourth down – Devontae Adams is smothered by three guys. I'm still going to throw the ball at Devontae Adams because I think he will make the play and will score. Or Aaron Jones or whoever. They don't have that guy without Christian McCaffrey. I think they just have very good players. They don't have that marquee guy who Um, will come up big for them. Yeah, absolutely. And and, and McCaffrey was so much to them. 1,000-yard rusher, 1,000-yard receiver. He was two players in one to them. And probably more of an offensive, single offensive threat than any team has got. You know, you, you could look at most teams and you can take one guy out and other people, other people, there'll be somebody else that steps up. But with the Panthers, it's been proven this year. McCaffrey was the guy that makes that offense score. Without him, uh, it's a huge, you know, you go back to the game the Packers played against the Panthers last year and how big a game McCaffrey had in that. And you look at every highlight reel every week from last year. It's McCaffrey scoring all the touchdowns, and if he doesn't, nobody else is scoring them. And you just feel like that's such a huge a huge loss to, to the Panthers. And it just seems like it's the biggest single-player loss other than a quarterback. Let's put those to one side. But single-player loss at a running back or a wide receiver position that, that any team could have because the drop-off's so big. That's it. That's why they can't score. I agree with you 100%. They paid that man $16 million for a reason because he's that dynamic of a player. I don't want to get too far into this, but you know, the whole when you look at the running back group and how they got paid, it's interesting to me that Ezekiel Elliott, who is a decent receiver, he's not, I wouldn't say he's below average. I would say Derrick Henry is below average in receiving the ball. 
if you're going to pay a guy, I think you do pay the Christian McCaffrey, the Aaron Jones, the guy that can do more than just run the football. And while McCaffrey's been hurt and that investment has really been, you know, not come to fruition, I get it. I get why they paid Christian McCaffrey. I get why Aaron Jones will make same stratosphere money next year. Because, yes, you need that dynamic guy. You can't just run the rock. Otherwise, you just pay. You don't pay him. You pay a different guy. Who the hell is Gus Andrews? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, who is that guy? And he looked like he was crazy good in that game against Cleveland. So it's like, yeah, you can't just pay a running back. You got to pay a playmaker. And Christian McCaffrey yeah. is that guy. Yeah, you know, and every, every time McCaffrey's out on the field, he doesn't just give you the great plays when he touches the ball. You know, he gives... He gives you so much in terms of a decoy. I don't really want to use that. Hookers is a lot more than that. But, but teams have to be aware of him all the time. If he's split out wide, are you single covering, you know, McCaffrey with a linebacker or a safety? You're not. You can't, you know. And, and so it gives, you, it gives you so much in terms of opening up your offense. And he's just been a huge loss. I'm actually sitting here looking at myself on the Zoom call thinking I'm I'm close to wearing either Carolina blue or Detroit blue. It looks like Detroit blue from here, Peter. <laughs> It's cool. It goes between both games, so it's fine. Yeah. Very timely. Very timely attire. You got anything else? Any other tidbits about the game before we say goodbye? No, I mean, there's, there's not a lot of history, obviously, between these two teams. You know, it only goes back to 95. And I guess the one big game was that NFC Championship game in 96, which is one of my favorite Packer games of, of all time when the Packers won the NFC Championship to get back to the Super Bowl. Not a lot of history. I didn't realize this, and I got re-reminded re of this when I was reading something completely different the other day, that Reggie White ended his career with the Panthers. Right. That's just something that completely slipped my mind. You know, retired from the Packers, sat out a year and came back and very little history as such. And I just think that this is a game that Packers have to have. They have to have, they certainly have to have the two NFC games that they've got they've got left, you know, for that number one seed. The Packers have to have this game and they will. Want to make a score prediction? I think it's Packers. I think the Packers are going to score less than their season average even though i think they're going to get on top of this game early so i'm going to go for packers 27 panthers 10 and i will say that they will also score less i think but i don't think much less i think it will be 28 17 pack i thought you were going to say the same score as me <laughs> <laughs> either of those scores will work as long as it's a win Exactly. So that's it for episode 25. Thanks again, Peter, for uh, joining me. I always enjoy talking to you. And go, Pat, go. Go, Pat, go.